Hey, listeners, this is William Sterling, and you're listening to the Killer Mediums podcast, where we talk about all your favorite horror tropes and how they manifest across all your favorite mediums of entertainment. As a warning, this is a very spoiler-heavy podcast, so if you're hoping to dodge spoilers for any of today's major topics, including The Evil Dead, Cabin in the Woods, The Ritual, or Until Dawn, turn back now. Um, that said, today's topic is Cabins in the Woods, and we are joined by host uh, by, uh, by guest Elford Alley. Elford is a horror writer from Texas. He grew up in the middle of nowhere, so he's all about cabin-based horror. He's written a bunch of books, and his latest is Ash and Bone, out now from Velux Books. Let's get spooky! Foreigners tied bells to everybody in the morgue. So if they heard a ting, they knew somebody down there wasn't quite ready to go. All right, Alfred, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about some cabin-based horror. I'm here for it. Yeah. Before we really dive into that, uh, I, I got that short intro from you to read, but do you want to take a second to just introduce yourself to anybody listening to the podcast that might not know you? Uh, what's Ash and Bone about? What, what, what do you typically write yeah. about? Yeah, typically uh, I write horror, and uh, typically a lot of it has to do with small towns and things like that, because that's where I, where I grew up, and it's just such a weird place. And uh, like Ash and Bone is just, it's a collection of horror stories. A lot of them are are monster creature based, but you know, they deal with parenthood and climate change, you know, all the things that give me anxiety and that I should probably talk to a professional about, but instead of doing that, I've written these short stories for everyone. So yeah, the the word document is our therapist. <laughs> yes, exactly. And but it shouldn't be. We should get a real therapist, but you know, until then. Right. As somebody that is married to a therapist, like I advocate for that wholeheartedly. Uh, see counselors, they help. Uh, all right, awesome. So let's talk about these cabins in these woods. Um, I'm excited to talk about this today because this is kind of a weird trope uh, in the horror community. And the fact that it's not so much a trope as it's just, it, it's a fucking setting, right? Yeah. Um, the, the cabin in the woods is just a place. And I can't think of any other genres that have so wholly absorbed a single setting for their purposes. Like if you say cabin in the woods, everyone knows this is going to be a horror story. You, you might not yeah. know quite where the horror story is going, but cabin in the woods is the horror setting. Why? What is it about this one spot that all of us horror writers, movie directors, and everybody else look at it and we go, I can scare somebody there. That's the spot. Um, for me, I think it um, goes into the whole man versus nature, that we're in a place we don't belong. Yeah, a cabin's been built there, but it's been built in the middle of a thing that doesn't want you there. And so you're not prepared for what's there. And you're vulnerable in a way that you aren't in a city or anywhere else. Like you're out of your element. Um, it's like, there's a show on, that I watched my kids on Disney plus called something bit me. And it's just all about people getting attacked by animals essentially. Okay. And there's one, you know, this guy that survived, I think he was mauled by a bear and he was just saying, he was like, nature is not your friend. Nature is not your enemy. Nature just is, it doesn't care about you at all. 
And so it's kind of like, it's like you are vulnerable in a way you aren't otherwise. So to me, that's why that's such a solid setting. Yeah, and I like, I like the cabin being in the middle of that setting because when you think of cabins, you don't think of the big like luxury Airbnb cabins that you would rent for a summer weekend or anything like that. Like every time we go to these cabins in the woods, there are these dilapidated rundown things that are offering yeah. you no protection from that man. No refuge. From that nature. Like whatever's chasing you can just burst through it like tissue paper, you know, whether it's like a slasher or a giant bear or a monster or whatever, like that, you, that will not save you. Right. From, from my end, I took a much more like kind of pragmatic approach to this. I, I think the cabin in the woods as a trope really developed because it's such an easy answer to so many things that we need to set up in a horror story. Um, it, if you're writing a true horror story, you've got to have your protagonists in a situation where help can't just come very easily. Um, you've also got to have them in a situation where they know hope can't really come very easily. Um, Because if they do, if the police show up and firemen show up, then, uh, you know, they can can stop the horror pretty quickly. If you're at a cabin in the woods, though, just built into that setting is already this idea that your phones probably aren't going to work. Like nobody goes to cabins in the woods out in the remote wilderness and they're like, cool, I have a signal here. Like that's that's built into that spot is you're not going to be able to call for help. And even if you do, like 90% of the things we're talking about here, uh, that they have an establishing shot in the beginning of the cars just driving off into the middle of nowhere. So maybe maybe a movie leaves the cell phones working one time or another and you call the police and they're still like, yeah, we can't get there till dawn. Yeah, the roads wash out. Four hours into nowhere. Tree falls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it helps that logic thing of like, we were like, well, why wouldn't they just do this? Why wouldn't they just let a cabin in the woods? It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. (laughs) Right. It's just such a perfect, like, perfect way to get out of that. Um, I, I think it, I think that's probably why earlier filmmakers and earlier storytellers and stuff like that utilize this so much because it is such an easy reference for that. And then once we've kind of got a little bit of traction with the cabin in the woods, we can spiral with it. We can go into the Joss Whedon stuff. That's what, uh, that's a lot of why I like the movies that you picked for this episode was we start a couple of years back with the evil dead with extremely low budget horror movie and then we spiral all the way up to, I think it was like 2012 or 2013 or something like that. Joss Whedon just literally makes this movie, quote unquote, Cabin in the Woods. That's yeah. the title. And everyone knows what's going on there. Like, you don't need to see a trailer to know, okay, this is a horror movie. They're going to be in the woods. This, things are going to attack the group of teenagers that are out there. Like, you you know. Yeah, and it, it made that made the turn the movie makes work so well because from the title and poster alone it's like oh well we already mapped the movie out like we already knew the the story beats we had it ready to go so then just you change that midway (laughs) (laughs) right ah it's so brilliant um okay let's go ahead and get into these though since i since i kind of like pulled pulled the veil off on what we're talking about here a little bit so starting this episode with the movies um i want to talk for a little bit about evil dead because the first movie itself is a great movie, but I think this franchise as a whole is one of my top three horror franchises. Like there, yeah. there is nothing in the Evil Dead chronology that I'm just like, yeah, that one's a dud. It's all good. Uh, but bring us back to that first movie, why don't you? What, what is the Evil Dead? Why is this such a staple? Like what's, what's going on with that movie? 
I, I think there's, I think when it first came out, it was that this was a time where, you know, the slashers had taken off and it was kind of, even by 1982, it was already, they were kind of, they had to be self-referential. They were making jokes. It was getting kind of silly. And Evil Dead was like, no, no, no. We're serious as a heart attack. We're going to make the scariest movie possible. And I mean, they did. It's a creepy movie, but with a DIY approach, it does have like little moments that are almost comedic or unintentionally comedic. And I think that's why it really moved in the comedy direction later on. But um, that first one just, I mean, it's just a, it's a short, mean movie. Like it just really is like, there's no mercy. It's also funny to see Ash Williams is initially just, he's just a dude. He's just a regular dude trying to make his life. But he kind of becomes this Arrested Development cartoon later, which honestly makes sense for what he went through, that he'd be locked in the stage forever. But Yeah, I, I love the vulnerability of Ash in the first movie. So this is, this is the first time that mass audiences really meet Bruce Campbell. And this is the first time that we're really meeting Sam Raimi. Um, and they just play Ash as such a non-stereotypical horror protagonist, right? He's not, in that first movie at least, he's not the person that's running around grabbing the weapons. Like, we gotta save yeah. Cheryl! Yeah, uh, he has no idea what to do. He's going, ah, I'm freaking out here. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know how much of that was like really intentionally worked into the script. I don't know how much of that was Bruce Campbell's own personality shining through in the recording process, but I just love watching him run around this cabin totally out of his element as everything's coming down on them. You, you said at the beginning of the episode, it's a setting that nature can really come at the human element. And we go beyond nature here. We go full on supernatural. So it is not yeah. just the things from this world crashing down on him. We've got Kandarian demons like unleashing their full power on him and just screwing with him yeah. uh, for the entire movie. And I love it. I really like the second one. And the second one's kind of fun because I guess, you know, he didn't have the rights to the first one. So they had to recap the first one, which is a cast of two. But it's its own little standalone movie. And it really starts to embrace the con. Because for me, what was funny was when I was younger, I saw um, Army Darkness first. And that was my first exposure to the Evil Dead franchise. And I loved it so much. And then I, I rented Evil Dead. And it's like, oh, well, this is this is not what I expected at all. <laughs> Evil Dead 2, I was like, oh, okay, this, I see. this is more what I was wanting. But yeah, so it was funny to see how it changed progressively. And then even the series was a comedy, but it really brought back the horror more than Army Darkness did. Right. I'm. That's weird that Army of Darkness was your first one because I kind of came at this from a non-traditional route too. So I... I saw the remake before I saw the original Evil Dead, which just feels very um, heretical, I guess. Well, I don't know. The remake's pretty great. Like, oh, I love it. And and like I've I've always looked at the remake as it was basically like, yeah, this is what Sam Raimi tried to do in 1982. He tried to make this movie, and just you know, he just he didn't have the experience or the money and everything else, and then. Um, you know, the writer director came along um, blanking on his name for the remake and just it's fantastic. Um, um, I should really have this in the show notes. Um, is it Alvarez? Yes, 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 yes. Evil Dead remake. Come on, Google, be smarter than me. Da, 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 da. Feed Alvarez. Hey, I got yeah, it. Cool. 
Yeah, I swear he wrote the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? The one that everyone is on Netflix. Everybody's super divided on. I, I liked everyone it. Everyone hates, it. but I liked it. <laughs> it was just funny. They were like, this, this isn't very good. I was like, have, have you never seen any of the sequels to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Then, aside from the second one, they're not exactly gold. <laughs> yeah, they're, I've, they don't. The, the first one is. Uh, we're getting totally off topic here, but the, the first one is the standalone, like, amazing time capsule of old school horror movies and everything that they could be and everything that they could represent and the way to get that grindhouse uh kind of grittiness built into a into a movie and this is like it doesn't even try to be that with the remake reboot whatever it is um it's it's slick it's quick it's like it it's got social commentary sort of kind of built in but even that just kind of feels like a vehicle to get from kill to kill and it's just fun with it i don't know i i I liked it but yeah okay so but back to evil dead though back to the cabins um so i i I saw the remake first and it was terrifying. And then I went back and watched the original Evil Dead and it was terrifying too, but in its own like kind of we're a bunch of friends out in the woods making this sort of a way. And then I watched Evil Dead 2 and just like, it took me a minute to really wrap my head around what was happening here. Cause I had that very horrific like exposure to this franchise first and then it just went off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's fun. I, I have since kind of, learned what this franchise is trying to be and i i I love it now um do we want to spin into the game for a second here yeah okay so um the as of recording this in in june of 22 we have a brand new evil dead game which is a lot of fun uh it's one of those four versus one like ace um uh what's the word they use for it not asynchronous but uh, unbalanced um, versus games. So one person's playing the Kandarian demon and four people are playing the survivors and variations of Ash and Cheryl and Pablo and all of our friends. Um, you have not gotten a chance to play this yet, have you? Not yet. Um, I want to purely because it's got the whole it's got the whole crew from the Ash versus Evil Dead series in it. It's like, I, I've I missed that show so much. So I'm like, oh, okay, if I can play this game and not die instantly, it'll be a, like getting a whole new season. Yeah. But you did play the Friday the 13th game, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, had, I, had, I had it together then. So tell me about the Friday the 13th game from your, from your experience and think, like what was good about it, what was bad about it, and I'm going to try to spin this off into the Evil Dead stuff. Okay. Um, so I, got, I started playing it because a, a friend of mine had it and he was obsessed with it. And I mean, it had like some weird, it was, it was basically because of legal issues. They couldn't update or patch it at all. So it had some weird issues with it, but it was just, it was a fun game, but it was funny playing against him because he played all the time. He'd play in tournaments with people. So one time he plays like, you'll be like a, you'll be like a counselor and I'll be Jason. And I mean, I just, I would never see him. He'd just pop up behind me, machete me. Like the power would go out and I'd be like, oh no, the power's out. Like it was really like being in the movie. It's like, God damn it. Like I was at the mercy of this guy who'd like played over and over and over again. And so it was kind of fun. It was like being in it's like being in one of the movies. Yeah. I just died all the time constantly. I I feel like so with Friday the 13th, it's another cabin in the woods sort of a sort of a situation. 
I feel like with Friday the 13th, the game, they got that point across really well with the horror element. When you were playing against somebody that was a good Jason, it freaked me right the fuck out. Cause, yeah, cause I mean, would, they would, they would be good at it and they'd be like trying to mimic scenes from the movie. Like, okay, well, I'm going to do this to you from this movie. It's like, dang, man. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, there was one game I was playing. So the, 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 the goal of this game is to find the parts for a car and to, to fix the car and to get you and all the other survivors to drive out. There was this one point, or, or the parts for a boat, parts for a car or parts for a boat. They're all scattered around. So there was this one game where I was running around. I found the, the propeller for the boat sitting in a shed. And I'm on the mic yelling to everybody else, I got the propeller, I got the propeller. And the, the, the time when it was coming down, we were all freaking out. And I turned around to leave and started running past a window. And just the hand shoots through the window. And it's like, or I guess the machete shoots through the window and kills me. And it was like... That is exactly the way I felt at the end of Friday the 13th part two, uh, where yeah. the window there, like mm-hmm. they, they replicated that moment for me as a player in the game. So expertly in this totally organic situation that I was, I was in full control of, like I chose to have my character walk straight past the window as soon as I found the objective thing. And it was yeah. glorious. Like I, I haven't had a moment like that in video games in a long time. Yeah, it was amazing how quick you could get kind of paranoid and freaked out. Like, like I said, if you play against someone who's being Jason who knows what they're doing, it's like, they just start screwing with you. Like all of a sudden they're, they're there. It's like, wait, no, you were over here. How'd you do that? Yeah, I never understood how he did it in the movies. How are you doing it in the game? Yes, <laughs> the, the the teleporting mechanism, like whether it's built in or mm-hmm. whether it's just a like good player was, it, yeah, so fantastic. So w- we had that game where they they really nailed the fear elements. I feel like uh, and the the tension was always ratcheted up really high, and they did a great job with that game. The Evil Dead game is very different from that. So like. And I think that's I think that's great that they managed to mimic these properties so well. So Friday the Thirteenth is supposed to be a lot more fear based. Evil Dead is a lot more schlocky. Like we've got Ash cutting off his hand and stick a cha- sticking a chainsaw on it. This is my boomstick. Yeah. Uh, you can buy it at Smart. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more like tongue in cheek, and the game mimics that very well too. Uh, from the character lines, they're yelling out stuff from the games, the movies, and they're being super sarcastic with it too. Uh, just the gameplay itself, you are a much more offense-based character in the Evil Dead game. There are waves of zombies coming at you, and you're swinging a Excalibur sword as Arthur, or you're shooting zombies in the face as Bruce. Um, I, I don't feel like there's ever those like true, genuine fear moments in the game. Um, aside from uh, sometimes one of the demons tricks is they can make stuff just pop up on your screen really fast. Yeah. Freak you out in real life. <laughs> um, but, but it's a lot more, you feel a lot more powerful and it, it gets a little bit more kind of slapsticky uh, in that way. It's like, yeah, because the series really went that direction, except for the pilot episode of the Ash vs. Evil Dead series when they had Sam Raimi come in and direct it. Like it had some pretty creepy moments. It had some real spooky stuff in it. And like I love the series so much, but I feel like right after that episode, they kind of left all that behind. But I feel yeah. like that one episode was like, now we're gonna kind of try to capture that balance between it's funny, but also it's just really creepy. And I that's I kind of wanted more of that throughout the series. Yeah. I yeah, I it's 
it's odd looking back at the whole Evil Dead series and thinking, I don't know if they ever really found that balance well in any one of the entries. Like Evil Dead 1 yeah. is clearly a horror movie and Evil Dead 2 is very much a comedy movie with some horror elements. Like I feel like all of them as we go through the franchise kind of lean towards one or the other. There's not a perfect yeah. median. I think it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to make a horror comedy. It's um, because like, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of good horror movies will use comedy as like a release valve, you know, ease some tension. So you're not just like this the whole time, but uh, it's really hard sometimes to come back from it. If you go too funny, like if it's too funny, you just ended the ability to be creepy. I don't know. It's really hard balance to strike. Yeah. That said, I do think that Ash vs. Evil Dead show balanced that a lot better than most horror comics yeah. that I've seen. Um, but you're right that that first that first episode is terrifying. That that's the one where the uh, the old lady shows up in Ash's trailer, right? Yeah, They've got and then like where the yeah. police officer has to go into the old house where her partner went and disappeared, and she's just just a flashlight beam, and you know they're possessed by candy and demons, so she's bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, man, I I'm so due for a rewatch of that. I finished I finished season three like two years ago, so I've been waiting until I forget more of it to really bounce back into it. But I I forgot how good that first episode was. Um, and I, and think- I love it. it had its own little like you know volcano Dante's Peak kind of thing where you know there'll be two versions of the same movie. It had Stand Against Evil. Yeah. on hulu or ifc <laughs> which was great it was it was ash versus evil dead if their budget was 25 dollars. but i loved that show and i hate that it got it got canceled like the same time too it's like oh I man watch that 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 had dr cox from scrubs as the main guy right yeah, yeah. It, it, it was great he was just this curmudgeon guy it was like you know an older ash essentially but it was great well it's funny it was at the time i i had a, a thing i'd written was being pitched around and i compared it like in the paperwork and stuff to standing against evil and ash versus evil dead and i sent that stuff out like in january of 2018 in february of 18 they canceled both those shows so all of a sudden my pitch documents are like hey well these two shows were canceled mine are just like it like you should invest <laughs> you should put your money into this that the studio stopped investing in. <laughs> i was like oh man that and so unsurprisingly i have not heard back from any of those places <laughs> uh, is that a is that a trunk novel or is that a trunk script now or is there any way where we can go find that? Oh no, it's it's I'm gonna put it back out in the fall. I'm having it re-edited and stuff like that. Um, but it was for a little while. It was it was getting sent to different places as maybe being adapted as a series. It was a couple people were like, oh no, we think we can pitch this. And I mean, God bless them, they tried, but <laughs> it just didn't work out. So <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, Evil Dead Rise. So this is a this is a good kind of segue into that. Once we get this new movie, maybe we get some more interest in the uh, in the script and this sort of an approach. And I'm excited for that. Like, I think the the idea of an apartment high rise, it's it's like, yeah, you're you're really trapped. It's like there's there's essentially one one or two ways in or out at the bottom floor. If you're in the upper floor now, it's filled with Kendarian demons. What are you going to do? So it's almost like it matches that sense of abandonment and that you're on your own and screwed cabin in the woods style, even though you're in a major metropolitan area. Yeah, that's, I, I hadn't thought of it that way yet. I, I was just nervous that they were leaving the cabin in the woods. So I, I get why they're doing it. They've used that location so many times. Like they couldn't, yeah. I don't know if they could tell a totally new story in that setting anymore. Like you've got to kind of change it up at this point in the franchise. 
but you're right. There's a lot of the same elements there. Like if you're in the middle of one of those skyscrapers, you're probably not getting cell service. Like that, that's yeah. built for them. There's no escape. Help can't get there if the elevator's broken or if, if the firefighters have to go up 25 flights of stairs or yeah. And if you want to try and escape, like you have little hallways and little stairways and you got to try and navigate that with things actively hunting you. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, and, and I think they made it sound like it's really going to be you know, like the Evil Dead remake. It's like, no, we're going full horror. So I'm excited about that <laughs> too. I, uh, I, I have mixed feelings about this because I really wanted the remake to get the sequel that Fede Alvarez was pitching so hard when it got released. Like he, uh, I remember hearing a bunch of uh, interviews with him as the remake was coming out. Like, yeah, Evil Dead remake part two is coming. And like, um, I know I was kind of played a tongue in cheek with who was going to be the no- new protagonist and the, the female character what was her name mia yeah so so Mia's gonna Mia's gonna come back and Mia's gonna kind of take on the franchise herself and now that's just dead in the water and i want to see it i hope maybe somehow this is like a sneaky sequel to that one like maybe some characters pop up and they just aren't saying it like a fun little surprise and we'll go see it (laughs) i would love it yeah cool okay any more thoughts on evil dead before we push forward to uh the cabin in the woods no, I'm good. Let's let's push forward. All right. So then, in there's my date stamp 2011. Uh, in 2011, we get this uh, this new movie that comes out just called Straight Up Cabin in the Woods. And uh, I kind of already went on this spiel, but I think the first time I heard about this movie was on a Facebook ad. Evil, awful place that it is. <laughs> um, but I, I saw Cabin in the Woods pop up, and before the trailer even starts, like I'm sold. I'm in um yeah. Jeff Whedon like uh for all the issues with him like he makes dang good movies and all, all the all the badness about him hadn't really come out yet so I was just I was just in and then this movie did not turn out to be like quite what we were expecting so I guess go ahead and uh if you want to talk us through like what is the promise with that title what is the problem promise with Cabin in the Woods and how did it use our own expectations as horror fans against us. Well, so for me, the first encounter was it was uh, maybe a couple of years before where it was like they filmed it and then it was canned and it just wasn't getting released. It's like they were, you know, sign this thing, sign this petition to get them to release Cabin in the Woods. And I swear, and I think it was, I don't know if it's accurate, but I swear it was because Chris Hemsworth got Thor and he had that movie coming out. So it was like, oh, well, shit, we got a movie with this guy in it that we've been sitting on for years. So go ahead and release it. So it was like, it had been, been forgotten about. It was kind of like the movie Trick or Treat. the same thing. It was made. It was awesome. And the studio was like, nah. And they just sat on it for years. <laughs> um, and so it was the same thing. I thought it was going to be, I, I figured, you know, Joss Whedon, it was going to be self-referential, meta, and stuff like that. But I, I still was very surprised by the turns it took. And I, I like, as far as horror fans, it was, you know, kind of making it to where, you know, they're appealing to these gods. These co- gods want to see this violence. They want to see these things happen. They're going to be pissed if it doesn't. So it kind of put the fans as, right. you know, we're the ones that we need this to happen. Like, you know, yeah, we don't or do anything like that. But we still need it. There's innate need in us to see this. So we do it through movies. And I kind of like the idea that, that then they find that out and they lose. Like, you know, spoiler alert for a yeah. 20, 2011-year-old uh, movie. I gave this but, one. <laughs> a long time ago they're still listening and they're not expecting spoilers like sorry yeah the idea that you know they they don't save the day that you know 
the old gods win. You see that hand come up out of the ground, just demolish the cabin. And that's how it ends. I thought that was fun. That was great. Yeah. Um, I love like, you know, the whiteboard full of like allusions to other horror movies. Even there's one to evil dead. It says about killer tree. Um, yep. Like, yep. That was fun. The, the Cenobite with the, he's had like saw blades in his head. Yeah. Very clear. Like Hellraiser references and just all the rest of it. They just had fun. Yeah, that's funny that you remember the 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 killer tree from the whiteboard because um, our our neighbors like watch movies with us a lot of times. They're not deep horror fans, but they 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 watch some horror movies with us. So the other day when I was doing all of my prep work for this, um, I kind of pitched like, "Hey, y'all want to watch a movie with us? Like, I've got to I've got to watch some Cabin in the Woods movies. Like, I, I'm gonna watch Evil Dead. Y'all want to be here for it?" And the neighbor like the she just kind of looks at me like evil dead evil dead evil dead that's the tree rape one right like yes that's <laughs> yeah. the tree rape one Special <laughs> that nobody like you'd expect you see filmmakers will make decisions that they regret but they stick to it they defend it like i yep. feel like even now it's like yeah i shouldn't have done the tree thing i shouldn't have done that like, <laughs> yeah no one defends it everyone's just like yeah no we don't <laughs> it's it's like people who like the book it except for that one part near the end they're like it, but that we don't the sewer thing that i don't defend that i don't condone that um yeah no uh, yeah that there's a couple of moments in horror movies that everybody's just kind of like yeah we 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 shouldn't have done that <laughs> that yeah that's quite right i don't know if stephen king's actually said that about the the it scene though i don't think i don't think he's ever like dismissed it or said it was bad or anything i think i, I think he's tried to defend it in the past but that. i think everybody's like just just blame it on cocaine and move on like <laughs> don't try to defend it just say cocaine and then we will we're like okay yeah yeah we understand yeah, yeah we 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 remember that time period um but yeah so okay cabin in the woods um again um this this is kind of the movie that i use to introduce non-horror fans to horror movies uh and i you hit on a couple of reasons why as you were going into it number one it is a very easy sell as soon as you mentioned chris hemsworth yeah like his his name just kind of brings this amount of trust along with the movie now like okay even if this is a horror movie in other people's minds even if this is a horror movie it's got him in it so it can't be that bad at least i get to stare at him the whole time so little that, do they know he's he's gone 20 minutes in <laughs> yeah no, no, i don't tell him on that part to start with but then you get you get the first like 45 minutes is this really good cabin in the woods movie like something's going on here and we're trying to figure out if it's demonic or like what's what's really happening and we keep getting these jump cuts to some people in some business somewhere doing weird crap yeah. we don't quite get it yet but the turn of the movie is so great that the cabin is over this big like um harnessing fear megaplex where they've got all the monsters from our favorite movies trapped underneath and they're just releasing one at a time up there to go kill the kids and the kids are all the horror tropes and so and i love that they they aren't the tropes they have to gas them to fuck with their heads and then they are the tropes and i love that the one character is like what you're not this person like what is happening and he's the only one that seems to notice something is terribly wrong everybody else just settling into their roles yes uh, it's a good commentary on that. I'm just doing my job sort of a mentality. Like, because mm -hmm. I, like you, you genuinely like the characters that are evil and unleashing these horrors on the, on the kids. They're funny characters and they're very like relatable and they're great. The one guy's like super excited to see a mermaid eventually. That's my favorite. Like, <laughs> or having a unicorn show up like and, and stab somebody. <laughs> yes. Uh, that moment where all hell gets unleashed is just 
yeah, the, the second half of this movie is just bonkers. But that's that's part of the fun of it, though, is like that's that's kind of I think my last selling point on this movie is this really showcases how in horror like you don't know where the horror movie is going to end in an action movie. You know, the hero is going to save the day. They're going to stop the nuke from going off because they always do. In a comedy, you know that whatever bad thing's happening, it's going to get resolved because comedies are funny and we like to end laughing. Um, Horror movies, it's like everyone genuinely could die. And that would totally fit with the theme of what we're doing here. Yeah, it has a very, very bleak ending. But a lot of times when I show this movie to people, we get to that ending and everybody dies. And they're like, wait, they lost? Like, yes, they lost. Yeah, because, I mean, usually in any case, even, like you said, comedies... um, I don't know what was the movie Dodgeball like from years ago, Ben Stiller comedy. That the original cut was the bad guys win because clearly they're the better trained, more professional, and so the ending was the bad guys celebrating and like having inspirational music. And test audiences hated it, studio hated it. Everybody's like, no, you can't end a movie this way. And horror's like the one genre where it's like, yeah, I know you can have like a you can have a missed style ending if you want to. Like yeah. sure, you know, dad dad shoots his kid and then like, finds out that they would say it if he waited 30 seconds oh the, that's how you end a horror movie <laughs> yeah with one more like visceral gut punch um i guess we should have uh, i'm gonna make a note here to add a spoiler warning for the mist right there <laughs> um, which is even older than cabin in the woods <laughs> yeah yeah okay so um we've got that blah, 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 blah. so we hit we've hit a bunch of the movies we kind of mentioned ash versus evil dead this tv series i don't as far as talking about the trope here the cabin in the woods trope i don't know if you could make a true cabin in the woods tv series like ash versus evil dead starts there and they circle back to the cabin yeah uh, also but the the whole tv show isn't spent in the cabin i don't know if that's yeah really it's basically the end i think the end two of the three seasons of the cabin yeah um but yeah most of the time it's they're on they have a they have a mcguffin they're chasing they have something they got to do and they're going from place to place to place um i think the last season takes place in the town so it's like people are finally seeing the things that are happening and so yeah it's it's hard to you can't really drag that out very long like right. I, I feel like with that trope you really need because it stretches credibility mm-hmm. i think and and people's logic the logic part of their brain starts working like yeah. why can't you get away why can't you like now it's been so long right. like i think with cabin in the woods things go wrong they go wrong quickly and you have to adapt to the changing situation so quickly and then it's over like the second like you said a series like 13 episodes like uh people would, it would wear thin yeah you would run out of bodies at some point or stuff like that there's another show i really like right now called yellow jackets um it's a it's a plane crashed in the woods and they find a cabin in the woods sort of an approach and even that even though they're they spend a lot of the time on that show at the cabin in the woods it's interspersed with about half the show is uh, a flash forward in time to seeing like hanging out with the survivors so they they cut down the time they have to spend at the cabin in the woods in literal half and i feel like you've got to have some sort of a gimmick like that if you're gonna if you're gonna try to do this but that brings us to video games. So, oh, wait, no, we've already talked about video games. So we talked about Evil Dead, the game, and we talked about Friday the 13th, the game. I'm losing my mind over here. This brings us to another video game. So until dawn, have you played this game? I have not, no. Okay. 
Until Dawn is basically a movie told as a video game. It, it is that choose your own adventure book that you that that we read as kids, but in video game form. So we've got a bunch of kids that go out to a cabin in the woods. Ta-da! And uh, the, the prologue to the game is they go out to this cabin in the woods and one of their friends dies, this really mysterious death. So uh, a year or two years later, the main game kicks off and they all go back there again to uh to honor her death or to, to ah what's the word i'm looking for here uh, memorialize memorialize there we go that works to memorialize her death and uh like things start happening again people start disappearing again and you're playing these characters and you're trying to depending on how evil you as a person are you're trying to help them all survive the game or you're trying to help them all like die in the game you're, you're trying to kill them all off it's got a bunch of different twists and turns, but it takes this this trope and kind of does what Cabin in the Woods the movie does and really spins it off and expands on it a lot. Even though we start at this very familiar point A, as you make your decisions and as all of this stuff unravels, you, uh, you go to different locales that we didn't realize were hidden in the woods nearby. And we're uncovering secrets about these mountains and these uh, this area and these characters that we didn't know at the beginning. I, I just think it has a really unique spin on the Cabin in the Woods tro- uh, trope, very similar to what Cabin in the Woods movie kind of did. Yeah, I wonder if now you have to have that spin. You have to have people are aware of these tropes, or at least audiences. So do you have to work against it or undermine it or pull a twist? It's kind of like you couldn't make just a old school Cabin in the Woods without that now. Right. So I wonder if people would just be like, okay, well, I mean, I've seen this movie. What, what else do you have for me? Yeah, it, it's kind of having to become this the new meta genre, right? Uh, like, yeah. like Scream and the, sla- uh, the slashers. Like, you don't see a lot of straight played slashers anymore. Ty West's X was, but other than that, if you've got a slasher, that there's got to be that one character in the slasher that's seen a bunch of slashers and talks about it. Yeah. These are the rules. Uh, mm-hmm. You think we're kind of getting there with cabins in the woods now? I think I think so. I think. It's kind of like, it's like, okay, we know it's set up. It's like, well, now we got to do a surprise. There's got to be a twist with who the killer is. There's got to be a twist with the location. Like you said, the location not being quite what you thought it was. Um, yeah, I think, and and even in, in slasher books, like, you know, I'll read a lot of, you know, novellas and things like that where they deal with, where they deal with capitalist tropes like that. It really is, you have to like, what sets yours apart? Like if you just, if you just make one, it feels flat almost. It's like, what is yours going to be that's different? Yeah. So I've got two follow-up questions here with this then, if we're going down this route. So uh, if, if we have to start being subversive with cabins in the woods, because just playing it straight, it's been done to death. Like we know, we know what's happening here. What are the rules in a cabin in the woods movie that you need to follow to survive? Like what are, uh, in in the in the Scream franchise, we we've got the rules established very early on. If you're going to survive a slasher, stay with the group. Don't go anywhere alone. Don't don't answer the yeah. phone. Like things like this. So what are, what are the cabin in the woods equivalents of those? What do we need to not do here? I think um, don't. Uh, what's funny is I feel like don't trust the person that has shown up that was not a part of your group originally. Yeah, they are. Yeah the killer they are infected with something they are being chased by something like they are inviting you've invited danger into your home it's almost like they're the vampire and you've opened the door and let them in and their access to whatever that is um 
I feel like one thing I, I see sometimes pop up is, you know, the old school slashers, you had the creepy old man, the creepy old mountain person who warns you about the danger. I feel like now it's that, oh, well, you should actually trust that person. The yeah. person who seems the scariest and least reliable is the one who will save you. The person who seems the most put together is the one that's going to fall apart right away. Yeah. So I feel like like Spooky Bye. Mountain Man, be friends with Spooky Mountain Man. He's, he's your only hope. <laughs> um, should we go in the basement? Uh, never go in the basement. Ah, but all the fun stuff's in the basement. It, well, I mean, if you want to survive, you never go in the basement. If you want to have interesting stories, someone goes in the basement. Okay. And I mean, you got to have you got to have a reason. There's got to be something down there they need that makes sense of like. Although I did love in the Evil Dead, just like you know, there's a basement. I'm just gonna go see what's in the basement. Like, why not? We got this cabin. Let's go explore the basement. Because that's absolutely what. Because like, um, growing up, you know, I lived like kind of. I live in the middle of like truly nowhere. Um, and for fun, sometimes. Like when I was really little, like, you know, five or six years old, my dad and I would drive around in the middle of nowhere and you'd find like an old two-story house overgrown with trees and stuff. And dad's like, you know, be like, hey, no one's lived there 50 years. Let's go see what we can find. And so just explore all these. And it would just be like, like, hey, there's a basement. Let's go down there and see what's down there. And, you know, I'd come home and I'd have like some weird thing. Like, Where'd you get that? It's like, we found an old house. And, uh, <laughs> well, what is the craziest thing you've ever found? Oh, I think my dad found a pistol once. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, I found, and I still have it on my shelf. Um, I went to one house. I mean, the house is completely destroyed. All the walls are knocked down. Everything's all over the floor. Everything's destroyed, except for one hardback copy of Stephen King's It, which is sitting perfectly on top of the rubble in great shape. No water damage, no nothing. First edition from 1986. I have it on my shelf. I've had that thing since I was six years old. <laughs> That's terrifying. Like... <laughs> I, I feel like that is the closest that we're going to get to finding a real life Necronomicon in the wreckage of a house. Like the, oh, yeah. What's the yeah. most haunted book you can think of? It. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. Cause I feel like we, you know, you'd find, um, it would just be weird. You'd find weird graffiti usually, you know, things about, you know, I'm, I'm watching you and stuff like that. You find all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, um, like, and then I, I worked for, I worked for the city of McKinney uh, years ago, like a city worker. And one time they're like, I was almost on the part that was household hazardous materials team. We picked up the stuff that you couldn't just throw in the dump. And one time they're like, we need you to go out to this house and pick these barrels up. And so we go out to an abandoned empty house and there are all these barrels of like, I, I want to say it was diesel, but I can't be sure. Uh, it didn't smell like diesel. But anyway, they're like, we'll load all these up and we're going to haul them away. And I was like, this is how Return of the Living Dead happened. It was just barrels in the middle of nowhere and bad things happened. Oh, well, <laughs> load up the barrels to this day. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and them started like bouncing around as you were picking them up and screaming, help me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was just like the whole time. I was just like, I'm not getting any of this on my hands. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing two gloves. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm very glad you'd not unleash armageddon on us thank you yeah well anyway, I, whatever it was was you know the epa took it away we just had to move it to where they could get it but it was just a fun thing of like huh i wonder if this is like who knows what this is <laughs> we're in an abandoned house in the middle of nowhere far outside <laughs> this main city center who knows awesome so like me as of all the things i could stuff into those barrels to just call somebody to come haul away for me uh, yeah there you go i'm back to episode one of ozark or something <laughs> yeah no i mean like then later i read about you know cartels dissolving bodies and putting them barrels it's like and i think back to all the barrels i hold away it's like, huh. <laughs> over under do you think you disposed of five bodies for the cartel 
more how, how many <laughs> how many liquefied people can you put in one bear 55 gallon truck that is i need to know that before i can really <laughs> estimate i fortunately i do not have any guess on that number off the top of my head do you need to separate the bodies out and do multiple bodies multiple barrels like i don't know uh, yeah i don't know i don't know but uh it's great <laughs> okay oh okay Two more questions. I know I said two questions a second ago, but I've got I've got two more. I've got I've got two more again. So knock at the cabin. Again, we're recording this in June. So a lot of this news just dropped on us. We found out uh, via I think it was Max Booth on Twitter was the one that put this together. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's next movie, Knock at the Cabin, is apparently a Paul Tremblay spinoff, which is amazing because Paul Tremblay. Cool book cabin at the end of the world takes so good. cabin trope and does some yeah. really neat stuff with it and we're getting a film adaptation of it are, are you yeah. excited like what's your take on very this? excited very excited like i'm a big fan of all and like of all his books um uh was it was it uh, what was the name of the one that possession one head full um, of ghosts head full of ghosts and see i love that one because you know i love extra you know possession movies and things like that it was the same thing like He's like, he, he set it up like, oh, yeah, it's about somebody possessed. So you think you know where it's going. And then he subverts that. Cabin at the end of the woods is our cabin at the end of the world. Same thing. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Because I think, like, I know in Night Shyamalan's, like, eh, you know, on, on some of his movies are okay. Some, like, it kind of goes back and forth. Like, I feel like The Visit was a fantastic, it was a small, isolated horror story. And aside from the credit sequence that totally undermines everything creepy that happened before it, uh, it was great. And I remember watching, I was like, telling people, like, no, no, it's great. It's great. Like, and then, you know, some like old comes out and people are like, oh, God. But so I don't know. I feel like this works to his strengths. So I think it'd be good adaptation. Yeah. Shyamalan is so hit or miss for me. Like Sixth Sense is one of my favorite movies of all time. The Village has grown on me so much over the years. Like, I hated it the first time, but I, every rewatch gives me a little more appreciation for it. Uh, Unbreakable is great. And like, but then, like you said, there's, there's those movies like old. I, I have a lot of faith in this one, though, because Tremblay told such a solid story here that as long as M. Night Shyamalan doesn't completely rewrite the script here yeah he's got the skills to make that vision come to life on screen and he's got such a strong script like that there's going to be no crazy m night Shyamalan deviation at the end like oh yeah. a pharmaceutical company <laughs> like no 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 go with what trembling yeah. it's gold yeah I, I will say with the last airbender he he, did, he had amazing material to work from and he just <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of problems there. I, I think you're trying to take a three episode TV series and condense it down into one movie. I think there's a big problem anytime you try to do anything like that. I think the TV show was so good. It didn't need a live action adaptation. Yeah. Like nobody was really asking for that. And then they tried to force it on us anyhow. Like that. There's a lot of stuff. I, I, I have better vibes about this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm excited about it. Yeah. And then I, I will say this anytime I can to anybody that listens. When I, when I win the lottery, because it's going to happen one of these days, darn it. When I win the lottery, my first project is making a TV show adaptation of Head Full of Ghosts. I think that's 
like the perfect the, the perfect setup for a found footage tv show yeah it's um, yeah it, it's so especially the, i just i just love it it's like the exorcist meets we have always lived in the castle it's fantastic <laughs> so but yeah now, now that tremblay is on the big screen like maybe he turns into the new stephen king maybe they start making adaptations of all his works yeah it's like we don't need four versions of pet cemetery just there are other horror writers out there like <laughs> Um, if one of your works is going to get adapted adapted for a for a movie or a TV show, what would you go with? Oh, um, oh, that'd be a fun one. Uh, okay, it's pro- honestly it's probably the one that is called Apartment Two Thirty Nine. It's going to either be out late this summer or fall, and um, I just feel like a lot of people that's that's been the first thing when I've got beta people beta read. It's like, oh, this would be a great series. Like, this is a great like because it, it's very dialogue heavy and it's very weird. So I don't. I think that would be a solid that'd be a solid one to adapt okay and, and this is a it's a novel or it's a short story a novel okay cool and you said yeah. it coming out this fall this winter yeah that's that's the that's what i'm heading towards i'm i'm working it's being ed, an editor's looking at it right now and then i'll be doing some rewrites and all that stuff so yeah i'm, I'm excited to get that one out there nice looking forward to it Okay, so then final question that I always ask everybody, and I've kind of already set this up, and I think you might have already kind of answered this, but I want to give you a chance to, to give us a different answer if you want to. Okay. Um, if you win the lottery, you get, you get millions of dollars, uh, or you get a studio that's going to let you produce whatever you want with no notes, or you get a publisher that's going to let you write whatever you want, no notes. The, the only stipulation is you make the perfect cabin in the woods thing for us to engage with. Ooh. What do you make? How do you make it? What, what's, your, what's your elevator pitch here? I've always wanted to do a Friday the 13th where, you know, you, you can't destroy Jason. Like everything's been tried. He can't be killed. So eventually they basically cordon off Camp Crystal Lake. And the idea is that it's locked up. He can't get out. He's fine where he is. Ignore it. And the ultra wealthy have been using it as a hunting preserve where they should go in and chase Jason and shoot him and try to get a picture of him while he's incapacitated and leave. And then it's just the, the movie is basically a bunch of ultra rich assholes get trapped in Crystal Lake with Jason and they can't get out. And he's just hunting down the equivalent of Jeff Bezos for like an hour and a half. Um, there is no real plot other than that. It will be the goriest movie ever made. It's for the masses to show them what's possible. If we take a machete to billionaires, the world we can create, you know, like I want to be a hopeful, uplifting movie. Like (laughs) we can rebuild the world one machete at a time. (laughs) That is a one. That is a fantastic answer. I want to see that movie so bad. Why did we make Jason X instead of that? Um, I know, like. Two, that, that is also like the most well thought out answer anybody's given so far on this show. How long have you been sitting on that one? I've, I've always, because it was someone a while back asked me like, because they were talking about, you know, maybe with all the legal stuff being settled with Friday 13th, there might be new movies. It's like, well, if you could make one, what would you make? And uh, that was one of them. And the other one was basically the first 10 minutes of the movie is a mini Friday 13th movie where there's a final girl and the last shot is them facing each other down. And then it cuts to years later and 
some kids are running from a separate killer and their only hope is Jason and this girl who has, tra- who has tamed him and trained him over the years. So when they find her, she's like scarred up and missing an arm. But now Jason's basically like a dog to her. Like she orders him around and stuff like that. So it's like, that's their only hope for survival is Jason on a leash led by a crazed final girl. Jason. I mean, that'd be also Whoever. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> I feel like, oh man, that's, that's how we get our, uh, Jason versus Michael movie or our Jason versus yeah who else it'd be great what face movie <laughs> yeah it'd be fantastic I like it um back to the uh the ultra rich versus Jason movie did anybody survive that do you do you give them a final girl or just no nah, they're all gone um I I assume they would have like. You know, they would have staff working for them that are treated horribly and underpaid, and those would be the final girls. They'd be the only ones that would survive. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> here's, your, here's your budget money. <laughs> Go into the world. Make it. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a lot yeah, of thanks for Thanks for having me on here. This is great. Yeah. Um, if people are trying to get more Elford uh, in their lives – uh where do they find you uh where should they pick up your books well where would you recommend them start with your books G- give us the spiel okay um i'm i'm pretty active on twitter and i have a website com. it's got links to twitter and all that um ashen bone is a good start i feel like this collection just came out it's got a new edit and format from velix and i think that's a good one to start with mine and i also have another one on amazon called in search of the nobility texas wild man and it's my weird meta bigfoot story and uh, just because i think it's one of the better things i've written and just doesn't get the love it deserves so <laughs> check that one out it, it needs it <laughs> are you uh are you friends with damian casey on twitter i yes. know he's on a big bigfoot kick right now <laughs> yeah and i love that i love to see people take on my you know share obsessions <laughs> with people because i'm like do you want to talk about bigfoot because you know my wife doesn't and i just need to talk to somebody about it <laughs> yeah so Season two, Killer Mediums. We we need to have a Bigfoot episode with the two of you on and just, just yes. get to it. Even though I can't think of a single Bigfoot movie or Bigfoot book or Bigfoot video game. Um, there's a couple of good books out there. Movies are harder. There's like tons of Bigfoot movies, but they're just not many of them are very great. It's kind of funny. I feel like that's a great setup for a horror movie, but just never works very well. Yeah. Well, we need to get on that. We, we, we've got your book out. We'll, I'll, I'll make, uh, I'll make, I don't know, a short movie or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll start flooding the, the Sasquatch market. Good. It's, it's time. <laughs> we, we started with cabins in the woods. We're ending on Bigfoot. Let's do this. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me come back here to the closing comments. There we go. All right. So, listeners, thank you all so much. This has been another episode of the Killer Mediums podcast. Uh, Be sure to like, subscribe, or uh, go into the basement of the streaming service of your choice. We will see you next time.